The first live news weekly at the Comedy Republic in Melbourne is being held on the 19th of January 2024 at 7pm. Tickets are now available at comedyrepublic.com.au and at thesamishah.com. If you're a member of my Patreon or you can join my Patreon, you will then get access to a discount code. The show will definitely feature a live news weekly performance, possibly some stand-up, a Q&A section for which you can email me your questions at samisha at gmail.com and other stuff that I haven't yet thought of. Okay, that's it. Now on with the show. Top stories of the week. It may not be genocide, but it's probably ethnic cleansing. Also, it's too cold to get naked in Russia. All that and more on News Weekly. Hello and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Santa's buried under the rubble news now. Israel has now been bombing Gaza for 12 weeks, with the death toll now having crossed 21,000, according to the Hamas-run Gazan Health Ministry, which claims 70% of those killed were women and children, although the Health Ministry has declined to comment on how it determines who is Hamas and who isn't. Israel claims about 8,000 of those are Hamas, although the IDF has declined to comment on how it determines who is Hamas and isn't. At this point, one thing is clear, and that's that Israel has no intention of stopping its bombardment of Gaza anytime soon. We start with the war in Gaza, where Israel says its military has vowed to continue its operations, but admitted it is protracted and difficult. Some would argue it's a little more protracted and difficult on Gazans than the IDF. Israel's bombardment and ground assault has displaced some 1.9 million Gazans, according to UN figures over three-quarters of the population. But it's hunger that cries in Rafa, a city at the southern end of Gaza, as thousands queue for something to eat. The World Health Organization says 93% of Gazans are facing crisis levels of hunger and malnutrition, with infectious diseases soaring and a healthcare system that collapsed largely because it turns out hospitals aren't missile-proof. Even on Christmas Day, there was no respite for Gazans, with the IDF hitting Al-Maghazi refugee camp, killing over 70 people. A massive Israeli attack on Christmas Eve. Dozens killed in Al-Maghazi camp. The UN estimates 86 people were killed that night, many of them women and children. The IDF has admitted that it made a mistake in bombing the camp. Well, not in bombing it, but in which bombs it used. My understanding is, as a military spokesperson has told Israeli television, an incorrect munition was used in that strike. We, of course, do our best to be targeted and precise and to target the Hamas terrorists and do everything to get civilians out of harm's way. And it appears that in this mistake in war, a mistake was made and we are learning lessons. There we go. It was a teachable moment for Israel, which is what's really important here. Those women and children didn't die in vain, after all, because now Israel knows how to label its bombs correctly. Luckily, it'll have many, many, many more months in which to make sure it doesn't keep making the same mistakes again and again and again and again and again. The fighting is taking place in a complex area. Therefore, the war will continue for many more months. And we will work with different methods so that we can hold on to our achievements 
for a long time. What exactly those achievements are isn't clear, given that Hamas has stated it has the capacity to keep fighting for more months to come as well. Which, even if that is like when bin Laden used to say Al-Qaeda will do more 9-11s right up until the moment SEAL Team 6 opened a new balcony on his forehead, does show that the impact of the bombing of Gaza isn't ending Hamas as much as the IDF keeps claiming it will. What it is doing is making everyone who isn't dedicated to blindly supporting Israel no matter what notice just how unbalanced the reaction of Western governments has been to Palestinian suffering. Here's Bethlehem pastor Reverend Dr. Munter Isaac giving an address at the Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church in Bethlehem on 23rd December. Christ under the rubble. We are angry. We are broken. This should have been a time of joy. Instead, we are mourning. We are fearful. More than 20,000 killed. Thousands are still under the rubble. Close to 9,000 children killed in the most brutal ways. We are tormented by the silence of the world. Leaders of the so-called free lined up one after the other to give the green light for this genocide against a captive population. They gave the cover. Not only did they make sure to pay the bill in advance, they veiled the truth and context, providing the political cover. This war, this war has confirmed to us that the world does not see us as equal. Maybe it's the color of our skins. Maybe it is because we are on the wrong side of a political equation. Even our kingship in Christ did not shield us. So they say, if it takes killing 100 Palestinians to get a single Hamas militant, then so be it. We are not humans in their eyes. Clearly, the pastor there is an anti-Semite who's been captured by wokeism. Must be spending too much time on TikTok. The only real justification for the war to continue on in such a relentlessly brutal manner is to provide Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu the time he needs to let the Israeli public forget their hatred for him and have one more chance to prove that just because you're a democracy doesn't mean you're any more capable of intelligent decisions. And with Israel's war against Hamas now in its 12th week, the political pressure on Benjamin Netanyahu's government is becoming more apparent. Recent polls show the support for his Likud party is plummeting. From winning 32 seats in parliament just over a year ago, Likud would only hold on to 18 if elections were held today. Which is probably why, in a meeting with his Likud party this week, Netanyahu was quoted by Israeli newspaper Israel Hayom as saying his government is working to find foreign countries that will absorb the Gazan population. Quote, our problem is countries that are ready to absorb them and we are working on it. End quote. In an interview on the pro-Netanyahu Channel 14, Israel's foreign minister Ronan Hoffman called on countries to send his office an email if they are interested in taking in refugees from Gaza, adding that they should not forget to, quote, write the address of the country, end quote. Get it? It's a little joke there about ethnic cleansing. It's the kind of joke that's okay to make while you're planning that ethnic cleansing because according to the recent poll by Channel 14, 83% of Israelis support that ethnic cleansing with the exact wording of the poll using the phrase 
quote, voluntary migration, which means Israel has a very different meaning of the words voluntary and migration. Probably because it's using the same dictionary, it gets its meaning for civilians and collateral damage from. There's been a lot of articles about how the radicalization of Palestinians in Gaza needs to stop and how it's impossible to de-radicalize Palestinians and how pro-Palestinian supporters need to stop saying they want to wipe out Israel. Maybe it's time to start asking the same questions of Israelis as well. Am I my brother's keeper? News now. Australia's connection to the Israel-Gaza crisis has mostly been limited to protest marches, white people wearing kefirs to accessorise their Always Was, Always Will Be t-shirts, and presenters getting fired from the ABC. Which is why the war seemed to hit closer to home when it literally hit the home of a Lebanese-Australian. This video shows Ibrahim Bezzi and his wife Shuruq Hamoud in southern Lebanon just days ago. After Sharouk recently acquired an Australian visa, her 27-year-old husband flew over to bring her home. But the couple didn't make it. Sharouk, Ibrahim, and his brother Ali were all killed in an airstrike overnight. The airstrike in southern Lebanon was conducted by Israel, responding to an increase in cross-border attacks from Lebanon by Hezbollah. Hezbollah, which it turns out, one of the brothers killed in the strike might be a member of. Lebanese militant group Hezbollah has claimed one of the men as a fighter. Coffins carried one by one for three lives lost. Ibrahim Buzzi, his wife Sharuk Hamoud and his brother Ali killed in an Israeli airstrike in the southern Lebanese town of Binj Jibel. Following the strike, Hezbollah, an ally of Hamas that has widespread support in the area, said Australian-born Ali was one of the group's members. It's understood the 30-year-old had been living in Lebanon for the last few years. All three coffins were draped in Hezbollah flags. But there's no suggestion either Ibrahim or his wife were Hezbollah fighters. To give the non-Hezbollah brother the benefit of the doubt, everyone's got one sibling who makes embarrassing life choices that make the rest of the family look bad. All you can hope is that it isn't the kind of life choice that puts you on terror watch lists in Australia and makes you the target of Israeli bombing abroad. I'm guessing Ali, the Hezbollah member, was the younger sibling, because this is exactly the kind of shit that younger siblings do. In Russia, not even opposition party can have party. News now. One conflict that it's safe to have opinions and social media posts about and not get fired from the ABC4 is the Russia-Ukraine war. As long as you're pro-Ukraine, of course. And if you are pro-Ukraine, then there's been reason to celebrate in the last few days. Ukraine is claiming a major success in its war by striking another Russian naval ship in Russian-occupied Crimea. Kyiv says the warship was destroyed, but Moscow will only concede it's been damaged. Moscow having the same metric there that allows it to think that the war in Ukraine is still going according to plan. President Zelensky has welcomed the sinking of the Russian warship by reminding everyone that he's still a comedian at heart. The ship now joins Russia's underwater fleet, says President Zelensky. Putin is likely to respond by throwing an oligarch out a window and his biggest opposition leader to basically what is Russian Azkaban. Known as one of the toughest prisons in Russia... The IK-3 penal colony is nicknamed Polar Wolf. It is located above the Arctic Circle, about 2,000 kilometers from Moscow. It's also the new home of Russian opposition politician Alexei Navalny, 
who had been missing since December 6th. Navalny's supporters found him after an extensive search, and in a series of social media posts, he said he's fine, although even he didn't think he'd be located. Navalny's been in prison since 2021, when he returned to Russia after being treated for nerve agent poisoning while in Germany. Being locked up in prison, though, has meant that Navalny could not attend the biggest party in Moscow. The theme of the party was nearly naked. Guests obliged, arriving in lingerie, mesh and jewels, dancing under golden confetti. This rapper, known as Vasio, wore nothing more than a sock and not on his foot. His dick. She means his dick. Yes, there are rappers in Russia and this one chose the Red Hot Chili Peppers approach to wearing socks. The party was organised by a Russian influencer, which proves influencers are just as obnoxious in any part of the world. But once clips of Russian celebrities who always skipped Glutes Day leaked out, the response from the Conservative government was swift. A court verdict against the party said the event was aimed at propagating non-traditional sexual relationships. Rapper Vasio, who showed up wearing a sock covering his intimate areas and not much else, has been found guilty of petty hooliganism by the Russian courts. He has been sentenced to 15 days in jail and fined 200,000 rubles, or roughly $2,200. Planned New Year's parties organised by celebrities who attended the party have been replaced with other stars. Ivliva apologised via her Instagram page, posting a 21-minute video asking for forgiveness and a second chance. You know you're about to get sent to a gulag when you post a 21-minute apology to Instagram. Graphic, almost naked pictures from that party, however, are still visible on the organizer's Instagram page, which I looked at again and again for purely journalistic research purposes. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Like I said, the live News Weekly is coming up very, very soon, 19th of January 2024 at 7pm at the Comedy Republic in Melbourne. Tickets are available at comedyrepublic.com.au and at thesamisha.com. If you are coming or even if you aren't coming but you want to ask me any questions, email them to samisha at gmail.com. I will try to answer any and all questions I receive before the show. The show itself will, of course, be recorded and posted up as a bonus News Weekly episode for everyone. So I hope you enjoy that. If it goes well, I have no idea how this will go. I'm looking forward to it just as much as you are. Otherwise, in the meantime, please have a happy new year and I will catch you on the flip side in 2024 where we will once again punch the news in the headlines weekly.